Mark Fischler, good to see you, my friend. Hey, brother. It's good to be seen and good to be with you. It's always feel like it's been too long. So yeah, I know. I'm, I know. I'm, I'm, glad I'm starting to. Uh, I'm starting to think as as you know, sort of our life conditions continue to accelerate. Maybe we need to do this show more frequently because we just can't yeah. stay on top of you know, sort of all the current events that are that are coming down on us just about every day, every week, certainly. Yeah, there's so much going on, and Happy New Year. Many blessings yeah. to your family and and uh, same to all the listeners out there. May you have a meaningful and uh, awakening kind of year. That's beautiful. So yeah. this is exciting to be together. We've got a guest. We do. Um, a very special guest. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, really excited to have Chris Ori, a former lieutenant in the Hayward Police Department in California, join us to talk about policing and talk about her journey and uh and you know we got to talk about to some current events too the um so chris hi welcome hi chris hi guys hi i'm so honored to be part of this brotherhood you two have going here this is great <laughs> well we're, we're honored to have you thank you we are honored to have you so um you know folks let's maybe take a minute to talk about Memphis, yeah, and the life that was lost. Um, your reactions and uh, how do you say his name, Tyree or Ty Tyree? Tyree Nichols, I believe. Tyree Nichols. I I had it spelled out, but I haven't heard anyone in the news say his name. I I haven't brought myself to. I've watched the video, but I haven't watched the news. So, yeah. um, how are you both? reacting to this and um, and I'll jump in after. Yeah, Chris, I'll let you go first. <laughs> you know, are, the, are there words? I mean, it's heartbreaking. It, it's just heartbreaking. And it's not the first time we've seen it. And it, it's just, it's hard to make sense of it all. And I go into different um, social media forums and chat rooms and see how people are responding to this one differently. Um, than past ones. Um, you know, my first naive assumption was at least race isn't part of this, um, but race is still part of this based mm -hmm. on, you know, how different people in society are responding to it. Um, but it, it just, it's just tragic. And I really appreciate it. I got to, I follow Heather Cox Richardson, who's a historian that talks about current events and and she didn't have words either and she said i'm just gonna let tyree nichols photographs you know speak for him and it you know it's it's sad yeah it's really sad it's sad to see you know police officers who i grew up adoring and many kids grew up adoring doing the kind of things that we're supposed to be protecting society from yeah it's really sad yeah no, well said. And, and, you know, I'm in a very, I'm in a very similar place where it's just, it's, it's hard to metabolize the heartbreak. And, you know, it's difficult when we're doing shows like this and have been doing shows like this for, for years now is that, you know, it's a, it's like Groundhog Day, right? We, we see the same stories coming down and whenever they do, it's like, you have to repackage whatever sentiments that you, you know, express the last time it happened. And it, it starts to make you feel a little bit you know, calloused in a way, because it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm saying the same thing. I'm expressing the same heartbreak. And yet 
there just seems to be so little that can be done about this. So it just sort of emphasizes this feeling of of helplessness and wanting to extend compassion, but having no avenues to to extend it through and, you know, having no means of actually, um, you know, trying to fundamentally change the the, the the broken systems that are producing stories like this, heartbreaks like this, week after week, month after month, year after year. Um, it's it's really, really hard to wrap my heart and my head around. I mean, Mark, I'm impressed that you said you watched the videos. There were, I mean, just to be clear, there were like, I think, five different body cam videos. I was able to get through like two of them, maybe two and a half no, of I, them. I only saw the two and a half minute one. Okay. Well, there was, there was, you know, and, and they're all showing that, the same thing, but from, from different perspectives. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's nauseating. I mean, it just, just the bile that I feel sort of coming up in my system and, and feeling my own um, hesitation to allow my, my response to sort of, you know, turn into this kind of, reactionary all or nothing kind of response that we often see whenever a story like this lands you know it, it automatically turns into you know all cops are bastards on one side right which we can sort of talk about what that you know really means so some of the you know systemic problems that um we we certainly want to address and how you know individuals can participate and perpetuate those systems that's something we want to talk about for sure Versus, you know, the total, you know, blue lives matter and, you know, the unquestioning of authority on, on the other side. And it's it's a shame that issues like this get politicized the way they do, because when they get politicized, they get tribalized. And when they get tribalized, we stop listening to each other. We stop extending, you know, basic concern and empathy and compassion and, and care to each other. And as a result, you know, trust continues to to break down between us, not just between us, you know, these different sort of population groups, but between the population and, and the police, between the population and the media, between the population and our governing institutions, the justice system, etc. So it's it's um it's devastating. It's it's hard to take in. I mean it's the type of thing where I I find I need a few days to actually fully sort of process it um and really again kind of wrap my heart around it. And to me, it just highlights, it foregrounds the urgency of this work that we are all doing together. The three of us, yes, as well as everyone who's watching us. Um, you know, Chris, this is, this is uh, you know, the timing is, is sort of uncanny on the one hand and sort of macabre on the other, right? I mean, we've been planning to have you on this program for, for weeks now, and it just so happened that this, um, you know, terrible event uh, happened just a few days before mm -hmm. before today, before we, we have a chance to hop on together. And to me, it just, again, foregrounds the urgency of the projects and the initiatives that you in particular are working on over at the Institute of Applied Metatheory, which we just launched publicly a couple of weeks ago. And we're going to be talking about all of that, uh, you know, in the in the hour or so to come. Um, all of which is just to say, I'm so happy to be here with you guys in particular um, and to just be able to feel through this and think through this um, with two people for whom I have just an incredible amount of respect. Yeah, and I really appreciate yeah. the way you said that too, Corey, just the thinking through it and feeling through it, because often our first responses, you know, are, are just a small part of the picture. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Well said. Yeah, it was... I mean, it's, it's, it's a, 
it's a senseless tragedy that should never have happened. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it's a traffic stop for reckless driving, you know? Um, and uh, there's just, there's just no justification, no matter how mouthy any person is. And we need to say this. And what, you know, we're, we're getting right now is that, sadly, that blue wall of silence where the police aren't coming out, right? You know, um, Chris is coming out and, 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 uh, Thank goodness, and, and and can't wait to talk more about this initiative. Um, but officers on the force right now, right? It would be a beautiful thing to change the culture if officers around the nation came out and said that was plain wrong. You know, that's wrong. And you know, it's 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 a little bit more complex than the you know the George Floyd issue because I think a lot of people got caught up with it was a white officer and an African-American human being. And this Memphis has a lot of, I, I think there are many of those folks were African-American officers uh, that were a part of that situation. I don't know exactly. I haven't looked, but I- All five, I, I believe. Thought, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought, I thought it was that. And so, um, you know, there's uh, a layer of complexity there that that goes beyond black and white issues That's and right. goes, you know, in terms of how the police view the public, uh, police relations. Um, it's it's terrible because, I mean, I know a lot of officers. I was just at my daughter's basketball practice with uh, a very old friend of mine who's uh, a state trooper currently and um you know he's great cop you know is the kind of cop that i would love to have on the stand because i knew everything he was going to say was the whole truth and nothing but the truth and he'd fall on his sword um because the truth mattered more than winning the case and i can't say that for every officer i ever work with but he was He's one of those guys and, 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 and Sean would never treat anybody that way and would, you know, certainly behind closed doors, take it out on someone who ever did anything like that. Um, and I'm not saying I haven't, I didn't talk to Sean about this case, but we really need folks to be on the outside talking about that are police officers, that this is wrong and this is not who we are and that, um, a culture change is necessary. And, and so, you know, part of this conversation is, Chris, we want to kind of dive into your history of being a police officer, becoming a police officer, your journey through the spiral, um, <laughs> your journey of responsibility, what you perceived and what you saw. Uh, and, you know, Corey and I will relate comments and learn uh, yeah. from your uh, your what, 30 year experience in law enforcement. Yeah, more than 30, if you count my uh, vol volunteer time before. Yeah, because I started as a police explorer. I was pretty much raised by the police department. 
Yeah. So mm. I don't know, Corey, is it time? Should we kind of dive in here into let's, Chris giving? No, let's, let's, yeah. let's jump right in. So what I, I would love to hear okay. that background. And then I would love to hear, um, you know, a little bit more about this policing initiative that we're doing. So maybe yeah. your, your sort of biography can, can lead up to um, what we're trying to do together uh, over at the Institute. Uh, I think this will be a very uh, important story for our audience to hear for sure. Yeah, sure. And you know, and I'm, I'm just one story. <laughs> there's, there's 18,000 law enforcement agencies in the United States. Um, uh, but I, I do think that there's some important aspects to my story that that I've certainly been paying attention to as I look back and, and think about the work to be done. I actually, I was in second grade, and won second place in a bicycle rodeo when I encountered my first cops. And it was two California Highway Patrol officers who came to my classroom to give me a little plastic trophy for, for that bicycle rodeo. And one happened to be a woman. And so I just looked up at them and it was like, you know, the clouds parted and the sun came out and I wanted to be a cop. And that mm -hmm. message, because she was there, was that women could be cops. What I didn't know until I, like I'm currently doing my thesis on integral policing, how to apply integral theory to policing. And one of my chapters was the history of US policing. And what I have learned is that she wasn't even a full-fledged police officer at the time. The CHP didn't have women police officers uh, at the time. They had non-patrol uh, officers. Hmm. So she was doing a bicycle rodeo. <laughs> But, you know, my, my little second grade brain didn't know that. And I grew up wanting to be a cop and just looking up to cops. And um, I had moments in my life of being bullied. And I think that was part of it, you know, wanting to be part of not allowing bullying to happen or taking care of the underdog. You know, I always had that inclination. And when I was, when I was in high school, I became a police explorer in the department that I eventually spent my career in, uh, Hayward, California. And, you know, when I, when I think about my career, I think about a lot of crappy things that happen inside. I mean, I, I don't think a lot about the stuff that happened on the street. There's certainly some calls that stick with you, you know, having to do CPR on a baby, for example, or, mm -hmm. you know, the, the bad kid stuff, uh, the bad domestic violence stuff. But it's the stuff inside the department that left me having nightmares for five years after I retired. And, you know, it, it started early on where I, I was actually- a, Can you tell us about those nightmares? And I mean, and I just want to echo too that the, the job of policing is uh, an incredibly painful responsibility. Um, you know, the, the untimely deaths that you, um, you face, you watch, you look at, you have to go talk to folks. Um, those, you know, like I said, I've got some good friends and, and I've, I know the stories, you know, the, the baby getting hit at, by a truck because of the sunlight and all that's left is a diaper, you know, because the mom was playing music and lost where her two-year-old was. I mean, stuff like that. You, you, you folks that do this work, carry that burden with you, you carry those traumas. And, and we ask you to go back out there and be professionals. You know, it's, it's a, it's an insane job in many ways of, of how we've done it and what we ask you to do. And so, 
you know, I, 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 my heart goes out to every single law enforcement officer because you, you will face ugliness. You will face death. You will face the most unfortunate moments. You know, I was you're, just- You're I, facing people on the worst day of their lives. Yeah. yeah. I, I was just texting with, um, I was interim vice president for student affairs here six years ago at Plymouth State. And on this day, uh, a kid named Justin Salt uh, early in the morning fell off the Pemi Bridge and uh, to his death, you know, hitting eight inches thick of ice from a 45 foot fall. And I was just texting with his mom and dad. Um, and, and I know his, his, the people that told him were the keen, the, the keen police officers, this is Plymouth state. Keen is another college. They lived in Keene. They're the ones that went to the house at two in the morning and delivered the, the ghastly news, you know? And so, you know, all of this, Chris, but I just wanted to take a moment to honor the work and the task ahead as we kind of parse through all of this um, and, and talk about some of the tougher aspects or some of the ugliness in the culture, but let us honor the work and, and let society re recognize the emotional toll that all of you take. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Mark, because I think it becomes easy to vilify cops and we forget um, how hard the job is. So absolutely. I appreciate that. And, and, you know, those things were hard and have stayed with me. And when I was raising my own son at every level of his development, I would think back to that case, you know, that made me ever more protective and, and vigilant, you know, with his safety. And um, it, But it's part of the job and it's we understand that. And it's often not the part that is the hardest to deal with. My post-career nightmares were about administration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So can you can you dive in for us and help us understand those of us that haven't been on the other side? Um, yeah, I mean, I just arrested at least Corey and I've been, <laughs> you know, arrested thousands of times by cops. But, you know, yeah. I, sp I spent the night in jail. Really <laughs> there was a really nice boulder jail. So it was, you know, yeah. a somewhat different experience than some others have had. But, yeah, I spent a night in jail. Well, I spent a day in juvenile hall too, being arrested. So you know, nobody's immune. <laughs> Probably made me a better. I plead, uh, I plead the fifth on this one, man. <laughs> Statute of limitations isn't over yet, right, Mark? <laughs> uh, no, no, Chris. Seriously, what? Um, tell us, uh, tell us what you experienced that you're still reliving the the traumas from. Well, you know, it, it, I. I kind of want to go chronological because the traumas have been largely lifted since I discovered integral theory. Oh, well, wow. and, and I don't want to, uh, to miss that point. You know, my career, um, started off pretty well, but there were some incidents that really stuck with me, uh, incidents of uh, police brutality, of, um, lying, of, uh, racism, sexism, I mean, I, I, there's so many examples. 
um, and it was really hard. And those are all the uh, internal things that I'm talking about that were so challenging. And like all of us, I developed, you know, through the levels, through the stages throughout my career. And, you know, one of the things I shared with you, Mark, was, you know, how very early on I had a very, uh, and I'm probably going to mess up the colors because my first uh, intro was Spiral okay. Dynamics. <laughs> so, but I even have this little, but, you know, I started magenta, you know, with the guardian mm -hmm. angel, the St. Michael on my bulletproof vest. And, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. what's the superstition, the, the trusting intuition, which later I got the science up, but early on, it just felt a little more, you know, woo woo and um, very red at times you know, when I was in the us versus them mentality with cops and, and, and feeling like the community doesn't understand us and, and developed into uh, amber and orange. And I think when things got really, really hard for me internally in the department, aside from various incidents, including I was one of 14 women who sued our agency, which is was a very difficult thing to go through professionally for, for gender uh, discrimination and harassment. When I kind of got a more green sensibility. Um, I was no longer understood <laughs> by mm -hmm. anyone. And I struggled because I was constantly, and I was probably on the verge of integral, I was constantly trying to, you know, I was a sergeant, a lieutenant for a big part of my career, very middle management. And I was always trying to get the cops to understand the challenges of command staff. And I was always trying to get the command staff to understand the challenges of the street cops. And it kind of created a situation where both of them didn't like my perspective because I yeah. wasn't just siding with them and and you know and um, so it was challenging and after that lawsuit our our next police chief who was my last police chief was a woman and I really saw her as our savior we had never had a woman in command staff nobody mm -hmm. above lieutenant we didn't have any captains deputy chief chiefs and uh, I put a lot of um, confidence and hope in her. And when it didn't materialize, because she was uh, just a very uh, warrior, I would say narcissist, even though this is going out in public, I probably get in some trouble for that. But luckily, I'm retired, a, a very uh, egocentric attitude. And I didn't get that. And I just chose to be me thinking that she would value somebody different. Um, and it, it became quite a nightmare. It was really challenging because I didn't get you know, that we all come from different levels and outlooks and worldviews. Um, I hadn't right. been exposed to that. And so I retired not on my terms. And um, even though it was a 30-year service retirement, I was just worn out physically, mm -hmm. injured, couldn't wear my vest anymore, emotionally, you know, I was sad and tired. And so I for five years, I was having nightmares about that chief, about the department, about you know, what I envisioned as the end of my career versus what it was. And it wasn't until I went to the California Institute for Human Science and, and my first class was Foundations in Integral Theory. And it just blew my mind open. And I know, Corey, you've said that the developmental levels is often the first thing that really excites people about integral theory. And it was just instantly healing. It's like, mm -hmm. whoa, that's what happened. You know, and, and I just, I didn't get it at the time. And one of my entry points to, re and by the way, I was at CIHS to study comparative religion and philosophy. I was getting as far away from policing as I could. Oh, wow. 
And, and then when integral theory came to me, my first paper I wrote was integral policing, a first look, because I really saw um, an application of integral theory to policing. And initially it was for the cops like me who didn't quite belong to help them understand why they feel like they don't belong because policing does have a very amber center of gravity. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of catches you up. I didn't give a lot of uh, juice in the stories, but that got me to where I am now. And then the integral policing thing just kept nagging at me. And I kept writing about it. I kept studying it. I was collecting Ken's books. I was listening to you guys. And um, I was talking to my my dean of education my program director is sean acebjorn hargens and dr acebjorn hargens is the most amazing guy to have he's my thesis advisor because he knows integral and you know he's he fantastic. translates it for me he's amazing yeah. wonderful human being yeah absolutely and i i just i feel like love the universe is, what's that mark love me some sean i love oh sean. yeah yeah he's amazing um great respect for sean. the universe gave me him gave me integral theory gave me cihs and gave me integral life uh and i think it's for a reason and now i feel this responsibility to keep pursuing and so my thesis is basically on applying integral theory to policing and obviously a much more broader look than that first paper i wrote and then awesome. sean found out from rob ceo of integral life rob smith that he was looking at applying integral theory and integral meta theories to policing and and he connected us and you know, Rob and I just had this amazing conversation about the possibilities. And, you know, there's a police chief here in the Bay Area that is implementing integral theory. I met with him last week. He's amazing. He's you know, we talked guy. for 90 minutes and it felt like it was five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chief Ryan, he's, he's a really great guy. And that's, I think, one of the most fascinating things about this initiative is we're not just doing the usual you know, let's sit in the integral treehouse and talk about theories all day. Like here's a police chief who's actually on the ground, who is trying to design a, uh, uh, a more integral approach to policing that is being exercised in real time by real people. Yeah. And I think that that is, you know, having sort of this, this laboratory, right. Where we can sort of, um, you know, not just sort of talk the talk, but find novel ways to walk the walk and try to up level the on the ground contact that officers are having with the public is huge. What an amazing and beautiful and wonderful opportunity this is to try to, you know, find sort of these these pressure points, these acupuncture points where like a little is something we we're talking about earlier, Chris, just a little bit of effort can actually make a really big difference if it's done skillfully and it's done you know, sort of uh, with this greater transformation in mind. Um, so it's 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 exciting. And I'm so happy that your path led you to all of this um, and to into working with Ryan in that initiative. It's 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 a beautiful story. Thank you. And for any listeners, you know, it, it, the initiative is called the Integral Policing Transformation Initiative. And, you know, we need more people, uh, especially cops, criminal justice professionals, criminology scholars. Um, obviously, you know, if you know integral theory, that's great, but but we do need people on the inside. We need cops where we can say, you know, would this approach work? And the beauty of Ryan is he loves his cops. Yeah. And, you know, I was talking to him about perspective taking and we have to help police officers with perspective taking. And Ryan reminded me that 
until cops get their own interiority and, and understand their own consciousness, they're not going to be able to look at anybody else's. And so having that person on the inside, and you know, I'm six years removed. Um, I still love cops, not all of them. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, we need that collaboration between people that get integral and people that get cops and policing. So let this be a call out for anyone who's watching this right now. If you have any sort of overlap and anything to contribute to this ongoing endeavor, get in touch, please. And you can ch you can learn more about the actual initiative over at the Institute of Applied Metatheory.com. I, I think I have, I think I got that URL right. Um, you can learn more about, yeah. about this initiative as well as Mark's initiative. Mark, you're also leading a, a, a justice related initiative. Obviously the two of you have a lot to talk about because there's just a, an obvious overlap here between, um, yeah. you know, your two endeavors. Uh, but yeah, so let this be, you know, sort of an invitation for anyone who's watching this, who feels like you have something to contribute to this conversation into actually implementing this on the ground. Uh, please get in touch. We would love to hear your voice and uh, bring you into the conversation. Absolutely. You know, and for the cops out there, th this could feel like people on the outside trying to fix policing, which has been happening for since the beginning of policing. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it, it's really about making policing better for the cops. Right. Because if cops love their work and love their community, uh, that's going to show on the street. You know, that's the culture change in policing. That's where it's going to come from. Right.